Hey, my friend, welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My name is Lori Seitz. I'm an entrepreneur, mentor, founder of Zen Rabbit, and your guide in moving from fine to fantastic. I love inspiring others to listen to their inner voice and encouraging them to take the steps toward fulfilling their soul. Join me here as we navigate through life transformation, moving from that place where you say everything's fine, it's just fine, but you're really feeling a deep undercurrent of suck. How do you move from there to a renewed sense of yourself? You're in the right place for stories and experiences of self-discovery and courage to help you on your journey. And you'll find each episode has an accompanying meditation. Now let's get into it. Heidi Thompson introduces herself as a washing flora virgia Texacalazonian because she's lived all over the country. As a former counselor and educator turned attorney, Heidi specializes in conflict avoidance by helping families with wills and trusts. She's a published author, engaging presenter, and talented performer. Her karaoke go-to is Love Takes Time by Mariah Carey. She spent a few years in Hollywood, momaging her son's career, and got to do some of her own acting and extras work as well, including in the very unlikely movie, Straight Outta Compton. As a mom and grandmom who's been married for 29 years, she's known her husband since she was 11, and their moms did aerobics together when they were in middle school. Fun facts about Heidi, she's ridden about 90% of the roller coasters in America, and at the time of our conversation, she was days away from embarking on her latest adrenaline rush of jumping out of an airplane. I'm eager to get into it so you can hear Heidi's unusual philosophy on life, which has contributed to her actually never having had the experience of being stuck at fine. First, a quick reminder that today's episode is sponsored by Zen Rabbit. If you're tired of feeling like your life is stuck at fine and you'd like to move closer to a life that lights you up and fills you with excitement, go to zenrabbit.com to learn more about the Fine to Fantastic program. It's a platform where you can tap into gratitude, connections, and courage with others who are looking for the same confidential space in which to blossom. Heidi Thompson, welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Oh, I'm so glad to be here, Lori. Thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure. I know we have a really interesting topic today. It's a little bit different than what I've talked to you about with some of my other guests. I will start with the question, though, that I start with a lot of the interviews, and that is, I'm just curious, what kind of beliefs were you raised with, good, bad, however you want to label them? What what were the beliefs that were really instilled in you? Sure. So, you know, I was I was adopted as an infant by parents who really wanted a child. And they, you know, they only had high school educations. They weren't, you know, super high achievers or anything like that. And they just kind of raised me with a belief I guess you can do anything, but yet there was no real expectation that I had to live up to. You know, a lot of parents who raise high achievers, they just, they have all these hard expectations to meet. 
I don't ever remember them saying, well, why didn't you get an A on the spelling test? Generally, I did. But there just was, there was <laughs> never any expectation of that. And um, so it was, it was uh, just a fun way to be raised. Instead, they just gave me these opportunities. So if I said, ooh, I want to try a dance class, next thing I knew I was enrolled in TAP. Now, I wasn't allowed to quit till that season was over. There was the, 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 you don't get to quit. You made a commitment for a season, but I never had mm -hmm. to sign up for it again. So I had to finish out a season of whatever I signed up for. But I mean, I did baton twirling, gymnastics, cheerleading, volleyball. I mean, you name it. If I signed up, I got to play the season and what a great way to be raised where you had just exposure to anything you showed an interest in without any real yeah. expectation of what you had to be. Right, right. It allowed you to explore who you wanted to be. And to achieve in the things that made sense. You know, I stuck with piano a lot mm -hmm. more than a season. But, okay. You know, that right. was, um, it, it just, it, that, that idea that you had really limitless opportunity, but no expectation you had to live up to, I think is the best way to describe the way my parents raised me. And, you know, that, I think the other thing on their side as a parent, it makes you proud of anything the child does stick with and do without yeah, ever feeling like they let you down. I think that's unusual. It is. It right. is unusual. I can't say I lived because up to it as a parent. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, because you hear these stories of most people were raised with expect some kind of expectation of being, uh, of, of achieving mm -hmm. that put pressure on them as children and then played out in some weird way as they got older. Right. And so, yeah. you know, with that kind of an opportunity, it left me having desires to achieve things that I was interested in achieving for reasons that were entirely mine. And I mean, my dad beamed so big when I graduated law school, he goes around places and says, if he, if they say something silly, oh, I don't know, I might have to tell my lawyer about that. <laughs> <laughs> the dad jokes, uh -huh. you know? It's, uh, it's pretty great. So that gave you the belief that you could try out anything mm -hmm. and nothing bad, like quote unquote bad or horrible would happen nope. from taking those chances. Right. Because anything was going to be for a season. And if I, it wasn't what I wanted, I can do the next thing for the next season. And that has played out as a theme just of our entire lives. I mean, I've been married to my husband 29 years. He is not a season. He is the one I signed <laughs> up for permanently from the beginning. Okay. <laughs> but, um, I mean, apart from that, our, our jobs, our states, the things we've, the things we've done – They've been seasons and things weren't necessarily meeting up to an expectation at some time or another. And that's okay. You turn the corner, you go into the next season. Yeah. Did he have the, the same beliefs as you when um, you got together? Or is that something that he's learned from you? You know, I, I, th I think his parents were very much the same. We were both first children. Um, his dad did some schooling. And um, he worked in an engineering type role, which is a high achiever role, but without a degree back in the day when you could do it by skill and training, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so I don't think his parents put a lot of high, super high expectations, but he was an achiever as well, so very self-driven. And so we, you know, when we met up, our compatibility, even the decision of our marriage, I mean, I, I'd known him forever. I'd known him since I was 11 years old in middle school when our mothers did aerobics together. Um, wow. <laughs> but 
but I think um, when we came back into each other's lives as, as early 20s, we really more decided because of our compatibility that we should pursue a relationship and get married with very little um, emotion and love that usually starts out most relationships. It's not that the kissing is bad, <laughs> but, <it's>, but, <laughs> um, but it was it was really far less on the emotion side than it was on the compatibility of the way we believed and the way we saw life. That's interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. And yet it's worked out. Oh, absolutely. Like it, so it's you know, almost as you're saying that, I'm thinking of those arranged marriages that were like a business decision where people grew to love each other. Yeah. Well, and and I'm not saying there wasn't any attraction. I'm not saying there wasn't interest. I'm not saying that there, those things weren't present, but it wasn't that madly head over heels, I'm so emotional, falling in love thing. We had both done that before. Um, mm -hmm. But I think we had, I mean, even in our early 20s had grown enough to recognize that's not the good basis for a good long relationship. Compatibility is is the thing that makes it last. So while I never did the online dating, when eHarmony came out years later, I said, yep, that one would probably work because that's based on those measures of, of compatibility that just make sense. Because, you know, when you're married any length of time, you know, it's a roller coaster, that emotion side, you fall in and out of love with your spouse in all different seasons of your life. But if you're really compatible, ultimately, you're still making decisions the same way. Ultimately, you're still heading the same direction and you always end up pulling it back together. And, and so I'm, I, I, I get that. That makes sense to me. Yes. I was listening to a podcast. I can't remember the guy's name who was talking and he was saying that true relationships, relationships that work for the long term have a connection. It's not just uh it, it is a compatibility, then there's also that deeper connection that is more than just a, like you said, like more than an attraction. Yes. It's a, it's a connection. I, I totally agree. hundred percent. And it doesn't hurt that his parents and my parents have both stayed married 52 years. And so there's a certain longevity already and stability in both our lives that you know, we didn't, we weren't raised with the, the drama that a lot of other kids have that creates some uncertainty and questioning around relationships. We didn't right. really have right. that. Well, and you had good role models. Exactly. Role models. I mean, that's what, in anything, when you talk about people who are, are born in certain neighborhoods or circumstances, again, it's about having role models. One of my passions is, you know, being a good like I, there's an organization I was just talking to this week that works with young girls, 10 to 17, teaching them how to be responsible, basically like how to adult, you know, learning the life skills awesome. that they may or may not be getting at home. And so exposing them to new ideas and new opportunities, like to see, to be a role model. Because when you don't have role models, how do you know what's possible? And I'll tell you what, tell me. I very much believed, because I spent years in school counseling, working with teenage girls, particularly, I mean, girls and boys, but I, I really did do a lot with the teenage girls. And a lot of them, exactly like you say, really didn't have good role models. And I, I really developed the idea that if I invested into their lives and really became that voice in their head, 
that someone would do that for my kids as well. That, you know, if you plant that Mm. seed, there would be other people doing that to my kids as well. And I found that to bear out in so many ways. There were so many other wonderful adults that spoke life into my kids the same way I tried to into those. So yeah, I totally believe in the role model philosophy. And sometimes it gets into their their minds a little deeper if it's not coming from the parents. Exactly. Yeah. As long as they're the right messages. <laughs> and they were. So Correct. Very great. Well, but it goes both ways. So even if they're not, yep. yeah. You, you got it. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So talk a little bit about the, you mentioned your school counselor journey. And then you also mentioned having a law degree. <laughs> and I know that you are not doing, uh, that, that you're doing something different now. Yeah. So then, then the counseling. So talk about that journey because I want to also the pieces that we were talking about earlier about not being afraid to try new things. Play right in. It's it's that same theme. It just bears out that things are for a season, and you're willing to try the next thing. And that's that is absolutely our story. So if you'd have asked me in eighth grade what I was going to be, I was going to be a lawyer. I love to out argue okay. my teachers, and I always felt like I was right. <laughs> and, and you should, of course you, you were. Because, you know, of course. And I mean, I even had one teacher who put me in charge of the class because she felt like I did understand English better than she did. <laughs> so I kind of taught the class. Oh, wow. but I know. I know. That is sad. But eighth grade was a weird year. What can I say? <laughs> it is for everyone, really. <laughs> so anyway, gr- grew up uh, kind of questioning, arguing, n- I'm not going to say non-compliant. I wasn't a real rule breaker, but I definitely had a reason to question that and and it had to make sense. And so law was a natural fit when you're tearing apart and questioning why doesn't this make sense? And so there really wasn't another idea going through high school of what I was going to be. But when you get to college, you have to major in something and you don't get to major right in law. You pick something as an undergrad major. Well, I had enjoyed psychology as an elective in high school and it's not a bad elective for understanding people, which is good for law. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll major in psych. So I get to my childhood development class with Bev Lowry, and she's just, she was just a wonderful, wonderful f- professor. And she's talking as a mother about children and the joy of children. And of course, that doesn't fit very well with the whole idea of being a lawyer. You can't be a lawyer and be a mom. That doesn't... And I, I don't know what she did, but I mean, I must have been 19, not even 20. And all of a sudden, my biological clock is going, ooh, you need to have a child. I'm going, um, what? Oh, geez. So I decide, you know what? I need to get my ring by spring or my money back guarantee here at my college. And I start looking for a <laughs> husband. <laughs> really want that MRS degree. And uh, not too far down the line, my husband came back into my life and we pointed at each other and said, um, yeah, let's make a run of this. We did. I, I, we both left college and got married, started our jobs and then finished school at night. So we, wow, you know, we, so that we, is really <laughs> unusual. Yeah, we did what we had to do. I mean, we both knew what it was still on the plate, but we wanted to do that together now and not apart. And we weren't near each other, so it wouldn't have worked the other way. And so that's what we decided. And so anyway, so we went through that season. Um, and I finished my degree in January, got pregnant in February. <laughs> and yeah, a month later. And then um, nine months later, just as I'm wrapping up, I'm still working in in contracts for a Department of Energy thing. I guess that's a related law job, but it was the most boring job in the world. It was literally cutting and pasting 
text from DOE regulations into things for contractors and sending out letters saying, are you in compliance? And then putting in a database how they're in compliance is the most boring job in the whole wide world. But it paid well, yeah, I mean, wow. for, for, you know, just barely getting out of college. So anyway, so I was doing that, went out on maternity leave. And while I'm on maternity leave, I get this letter in the mail that says, we're doing a voluntary reduction in force. Well, I was the last hired you know, who's going to be involuntarily mm. cut. Yeah, that would have been me. And they said, but if you take advantage of this voluntary thing, we will pay for this much towards schooling. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. So I could stay home and go get a master's degree in something. And and I kid you not, it must have been that week, one of my best friends I grew up with called me and said, you know, they're doing a master's in school counseling right now. I was thinking about enrolling. I said, you've got to be kidding wow. me. So I enroll in the master's in school counselors program and I go and get my master's. We moved to Florida because you'd have to, someone would have to die in Washington to get a counseling job. The people stay there till like 89. <laughs> and, um, so I, we moved to Florida for my husband to go work at Disney World. I'm able on our house hunting trip to job at land a job as a school counselor with that master's degree in pocket and now two kids because, you know, that's what you do is have okay. another kid while you're getting a master's degree. And sure. <laughs> of course. Perfect sense. Yeah. Um, wait, wait, it does not surprise me at all for you, though, because you <laughs> are a, clearly a high achiever. It's it's a silly it's a silly world. Yeah. For 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 our family. But so anyway, we're, we're, we get to raise our kids now around Disney World. And we were there for six years from the time they were they were two and three to the time they were eight and nine, having all their birthday parties at Disney. I mean, that didn't, mm. that's not too shabby, really, when you grow up. Right. I mean, where do you go on vacation when you live there and go there five times a week, you know? <laughs> you don't have to go on, you don't have to go anywhere. So you save money on vacations. <laughs> there you go. Maybe that's what we should have done. Um that might have been more fiscally responsible looking back. Anyway, you make those mistakes for sure. So I'm working as a school counselor. My kids are growing up. Things are working great. And I, I step up to a point where I lead the school counseling department, 13 counselors, we're growing up to the point of 5,000 students when it's time for the new school to be built. I go over to the new school. I'm part of a team of four that opens a high school with 2,500 kids, grades 9 through 12. Um, most schools that open will start with 9th and 10th. We decided, hey, let's just go for it. Let's just take them all. And and so we did a crazy thing and opened a school. School that was great fun. About that time, I'm getting a little burned out. I've kind of done what you can do with school counseling. I know that sounds weird, but, you know, I tried it. And uh, I get this letter in the mail. That seems to be a theme in my life. <laughs> I get a letter in the mail. <laughs> I get this letter in the mail. <laughs> and it said that the place where I did my undergrad schooling, Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, was starting a law school and that they were opening up scholarships to the first inaugural class that went through there. So I show this to my husband and I say, hey, look, they're opening a law school. What do you think? And he says to me, well, you'd be an idiot not to apply for that. I said, yeah, but we'd have to uproot our family, move to Virginia. You'd have to leave your job at Disney. He goes, yeah, and you'd get a law degree. I mean, just like that. Like it was not even mm -hmm. a big consideration mm -hmm. for him. How great is <laughs> how great is this man? Right? That is great. And how old were you at that time? I was, let's see, that would have made me 29 years old. Okay. So not, not that old. old, but still older than a typical law student. And I, you know, a lot of times people are like, well, I'm too old to do whatever, go to law school, oh, yeah, no. get that master's degree, whatever it is. It, there is no time limit on it. There most certainly is not. In fact, there was one man that was near 50 when he started law school with me. He actually had other yeah, professional good. degrees and was decided on law school. So yeah, there's, it's, there's, yes. it's never too late to take the next step 
step if that makes sense for your next season. Right. And it's never too late to turn around if you decide it doesn't make sense for that season. Right. And you want to go back to doing the thing that you were doing before. Which if that feels right. like the right thing to do. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which leads right into the next part of the story. So I finished my law school. I fully plan to move back to Florida, which I love. I've always loved Florida. It's a magic place for me. So I passed the bar in Florida, believing, okay, now it's just time for Eric and I, Eric to find a job and me to open a practice. Let's go. 2007. (laughs) Guess what was happening to the economy in 2007? Yeah, it was on its way down. It was on its way down, and Florida had already been one of the first to go. It was, there were just no jobs. My husband applied for everything for probably nine months, and there was just nothing in Florida. Fortunately, Mm -hmm. he was still employed, so it's not like he was without a job. He was able to provide, but I'm just kind of in a holding pattern, (laughs) because what do I, Mm -hmm. what am Mm -hmm. I doing next? He learns that Houston's economy hasn't really tanked yet, and that there were opportunities with GE in Houston where he could have a pretty easy in. And I said, okay. oh, Houston, really? You want to move to Texas? That's not Florida. <laughs> I wasn't too sure I'm about with you that. On that. Yeah, I wasn't too sure about that. And uh, I started researching and said, you know what? It's still better than where we are in Virginia. And I think I could learn to like it there. And besides, they have good food and lots of meat, and that works for me. So I kind of went lots for of meat. it. <laughs> So that does not work for me, but it, I'm sorry. I'm glad it for you. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. <laughs> Red meat, chocolate, wine, yeah, staples to my diet. Yes, yes. Um, anyway, so we we moved to Houston. Well, I had missed the window to take the bar there. So I wasn't going to sit around for a year and wait and prep for another bar. I think I'm just gonna go back into school counseling for a year, take the bar next summer, and then I'll then I'll start my practice and we'll move forward with that next step. Well, the problem was I really liked what I was doing then in school counseling. After after the push, push, push of law school and the mm-hmm. bar exam, I was actually, the demands at those schools were see kids, solve problems, make families happy. It turned into mm. a great job. Yeah, I really liked what I was right. doing. I was speaking life into people. And my kids at that point were getting to the point where they were going to be at my high school with me. Mm-hmm. And so it was- So that makes convenient. Uh, and, and I loved having teenage kids. Lots of other people love little kids. I'm okay with little kids. I loved being around my teenage kids. And so that was just a really special season of my life to be there with my kids. And and so I'm loving my life. We have a beautiful home. We have great friends at church. We're eating well. I love my job. My kids are there with me. And my son starts to develop into something a little different. We start to see him finding his niche in the things that he's been trying. And we realize that he's got a really, really um, outstanding talent in singing, dance, and acting. So we take him to a national competition in New York City, and they say... He needs to be in LA. Okay. Okay. So, did you immediately pack up the car and <laughs> drive close. to LA? Pretty close. <laughs> Pretty close to that. So, my husband and I say, okay, if that's the next chapter for us, my husband needs a job there. We never move without a job. We're not that foolish. But if there's a job, we'll go wherever the job is. Okay. So my husband finds and a job with GE in California. It takes about a year before we get that job in LA and we move out there. Well, Did you go out before him? No. Or you wouldn't have done that? I did not okay. do that. No, I, our family does better as an intact unit. <laughs> okay. We function well All together. Right. I, I might have done a month before something had we needed to, but 
that's not the way we decided to do it. So I ended up finishing out my school year contract and we moved in the summer and that worked out beautifully for both of us. Mm -hmm. Those kinds of things just tend to work out. So here we are in California trying to make my son get started in Hollywood. Well, wouldn't you know it, when he did that competition, he wa- he was the runner up in the 13 to 18 year old category when he was 14. And he okay. and he looked 12. All right. Okay. Well, in that one year period, he grew eight inches and no longer looked 12. So not the same child that they had put in, awarded that, that position. You got it. <laughs> so now he's looking like a 16-year-old at 14 instead of, I mean, at 15 when he looked like a 12-year-old at 14. Well, they can use 18-year-olds and not have to pay for set people and not have to have all this expense to play 16-year-olds. They don't need a 14-year-old to play, 15-year-old to play a 16-year-old. So now he's not... That year, he's not is not that employable. He's not that employable, or that attractive as an as a as an actor. Yeah. Right. So, so a lot of the push to get there was now a little bit in vain. He did get in mid year into Orange County School of the Arts, which is quite an honor. It's one of the top ten arts schools in the country mm-hmm. for high school. Um, he was offered mid-year admission, which they never do. They just liked him and offered him mid-year admission. He was applying for the next fall. They let him in mid-year. They offered him either musical theater or dance. Their musical theater program then didn't have dance. Now they've integrated better, and I'm glad of that. But at the time, it mm-hmm. was one or the other, and so he ended up going dance. He definitely excelled in that arena, and we stayed out there until a year after his high school. He landed some fun gigs. He got to be some movies, some TV, a boy band. There were there were some fun gigs, but nothing ever made enough money that it made sense to rent the sunshine in California. Okay. okay. All right. The whole theme of your life is jump yes. and jump again and jump again yep. and just keep going. Like there was that book about always saying yes, whatever the opportunity is that comes up, say yes. So I know Laurel Langemeyer wrote Yes Energy, which is based on that idea. I don't know if that's the one you're talking about, but the idea that's is not, certainly I'm... the same idea. It's when opportunities arise, you're better off to say yes and then figure out how than to say no and let them pass by. Oh, it's Shonda Rhimes oh, had, love her. has a book called My Year of Saying Yes to Everything. Oh, that's even better. Shonda Rhimes is just yes. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> mm-hmm. how, mu- how much success has she seen? Holy cow, I think right. I've watched everything she's ever done. <laughs> yeah, so that whole idea of saying yes and not being afraid, which is pretty unusual because most people are, they're evaluating all of the things that could go wrong. Well, what if this? What if that? And you turn that around and say, what if these amazing things happen? What well, if this? Or, or even What's the worst thing that could go wrong? Could I live with it? Okay, then it's worth Mm. trying. Your method of evaluation seems so much different from so many people and in in a good way because you're living a more adventurous life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it has. It's been one adventure after the other. So from there... Um, California came to a close. My son went off to college and my husband and I moved back to Washington state where we could save some money where my family is. I, uh, Mm. he was able to, at that point work remotely so we could live anywhere. I moved to where my family was. I got a job in a school district. The school counseling jobs incidentally weren't open. We're back to the area where people live, you know, stayed in those jobs. So they were 90, right? We talked about that. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes, We're back up there. 
But at that point, I had had so much experience all over the country that I had worked in developing behavior systems that they were interested in that this school district didn't have. So they hired me as a district level person to bring in positive behavior into the schools. And Mm. so I got to create those programs district-wide, pre-K to 12 for 17,000 kids. I got to do teacher seminars and coach teachers on how to deal with behavior, coach counselors on how to deal with difficulties in behavior, bring in some social emotional learning, work with community schools to bring people into the schools that can handle physical needs. I mean, it was just a cool job. I loved what I was doing there. But then my husband's ability to work remotely ended and they announced Mm. to him, you need to go find a GE office somewhere. Okay, well, there we go. Um, One of the places that was hiring was in Scottsdale, Arizona. And incidentally, my son had chosen to go to GCU right here in Phoenix. And so it was like, okay, well, then let's go live in the sunshine again. We hated the winter up in Washington. And that was a bad one. The last one was a really bad one. So they didn't have to Mm -hmm. twist my arm all that hard. But we moved here Mm -hmm. without job, without my job and just him again. And, I, and I'm on a contract still with my school district, still helping the new person they hired to get on board, do some consulting for the school district part-time. And I was figuring out, well, what do I do next? So I enrolled in a doctorate program thinking, well, maybe I'll move into something in the superintendent realm. I don't know. Took that first class, did fine, went back to a 10-year law school reunion just to see the people. No interest in doing law. I had been too far out of that world at this point, 11 years out of that world, (laughs) right? Right. And I was going to ask you if if during that time you had regrets about getting your law degree because you weren't using it. Yes. I very often would tell people I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. That was a lot of work to go through. I'm happy doing these other things. They're meaningful. Why would I go and do that? It, it would, you know, steal my soul. I said all these horrible things <laughs> during all those mm. years about that. So I, but I go to this law Kind of to justify the fact that you weren't using it. Maybe. Maybe. And also probably to justify it to my husband because of the sacrifices he made so that I could get it. Yes. Probably right, some of right, that right. for sure. Okay. Yes. So you go to the class reunion. Which these are wonderful people. I love them to death. And I couldn't wait to see them and hang out with these people. Well, one of the guys there um, grabbed me by the arm. I mean, both hands around the, my arm and said, you need to be doing what I'm doing. And I said, what are you doing? What are you doing, Josh? What are you doing? <laughs> and he says, I'm doing estate planning. And I said... <laughs> <laughs> That's You're funny. funny. <laughs> I'd have to take a bar in in Arizona and and you know, study a whole new area. Yep. You're going to take the bar. You're going to come down to Florida. You're going to spend a week with me. You're going to go back and do this in Arizona. And he said it just like that. Like he was so wow. confident I was going to do this. And I thought this was the funniest thing he ever said. Unfortunately, he said yeah. it in front of my husband. So my husband is kind of poking at me. You know, Arizona is a place for retirees. This would be a great place to do estate planning. Why don't you go do estate planning? So I decide to do some research. Well, as I do some research, what I realize is it's seminar work. It's teaching. It's coaching. It's working with people solving problems. It's counseling. It's all these things I've been doing all these years. It's exactly isn't it interesting. That. <laughs> isn't it interesting how sometimes people outside of yourself can see better what you, I don't want to say what you should be doing, but what you are suited for mm-hmm. than you can see for yourself. Yeah, I never would have picked it. In a million years, never would have picked it. But Josh's little conspiracy with my husband (laughs) had me Mm -hmm. looking into this thing. And so I did just that. While I was consulting for the school district up in Washington, I was prepping for the bar here. 
past the bar by the time that was done, I was ready to start opening a practice. And so that's what you do. You move to a new place where you don't know anybody to do something you've never done when you've never run a business before. It's a great business yes. model. Absolutely. Well, it doesn't surprise me at all that that's what you would do based on all of these opportunities that you have said yes to all the way along, yeah. even when you didn't know how it was going to work out or you didn't have any guarantee or just you're just going with the flow, which is amazing. It's it's just so, a crazy yeah. life. But, but you know what? Going back again to that parent's philosophy you can try anything you want. You're going to finish the season of it. You're going to have lots of opportunities, but there's no expectation you necessarily have to meet. I love that way of thinking, not just for raising children, but for living your life. As we've said, it just opens you up to so many more amazing experiences that you would not otherwise have. Right. And and what did you tell me before we, we hit record? What are you doing next? Your next big adventure? Oh my gosh, yes. So my CPA friend, Anne, and I are jumping out of a perfectly good airplane next Tuesday for the very first time. Tandem, of I course. Wanna but... s- <laughs> right, right. I want to see pictures. That's something I've contemplated. Groupon it scares it me, but it's $145. $145. I mean, you know, if it's yeah. time to- I don't know that I want to go to the cheapest bidder on that. But <laughs> No, but I mean, it, it is, it's the full scale, you know- Skydive Arizona. Yeah. It's it's a known group to do it. They've yeah. got a good safety rating. But um, yeah, but it's not even a I can't even say, well, it's too expensive. You know, it's it's <laughs> at that All right. point, no you excuses. Just, no you, excuses. You're doing it. I'm doing it. So we will put in the show notes because by the time we publish this, you will have already done it. And, and I so will have can... video clip. I am buying the video. So presuming there's no tech difficulties, I should have that for sure. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I am so Glad that you were able to come on and share your philosophy, which is seem seemingly so different from a lot of people's of just keep doing the next right action, keep taking the next right step. And if it doesn't turn out the way you expected, then you do something else. That's Princess Anna. And if it does you know, in Frozen 2, she does that whole I, song. Just, even... just just do the next right thing. <laughs> I haven't seen it, so I didn't know, but I must be channeling her anyway. <laughs> there you go. I and mean, it sounded just like so her. Speak, ah. Speaking of songs, what is your walk up, the song, your hype song, the, th- the song that gets you inspired? Okay. You well, it's a little extra total, juice. It'll make total sense to you. It's Katy Perry's Roar. I got the yes. eye of the tiger fighter, you know, and, and uh, I'm a champion and you're going to hear me roar. It's just <laughs> pure girl energy, right? Right. Love it. Strong women like Katie and you. Yes. How can my listeners get in touch with you if they wanted to learn more about your philosophy of life? Okay. Well, you can get in touch with me if you go to www.lifeguardinglegacies.com. That is my business website. You'll definitely learn about my business there. Up to the right, there will also be a link for Sojourner AZ. That's not a primary business. In fact, I've done absolutely nothing with that business per se. But when you pull that one up, it'll have this like Renaissance woman next door and a bunch of weird things that I can do for people um, that have nothing to do in some cases with law. Um, but it it definitely, if you're looking for more life philosophy, you're going to see it permeate that place more than the lifeguarding legacies. As an attorney, people still have some expectations of what that should look like. Um, 
if they want another way they could learn actually some fun things about me and learn about that area is I'm happy to give a free copy of my ebook. This is Lifeguard Your Legacy. It's written in what I call sixth grade blog speak. It is not technical. It is not attorney legalese. It is blog related writing about the questions people have in estate planning and things even every 18-year-old through every 97-year-old should know about how the way this kind of stuff works so you don't make some common mistakes. And you can get that by going to lifeguardinglegacies.com slash book dash freebie. And, and if you give me your email and name, you'll be able to download a copy on the next screen. Fantastic. We'll put that all in the show notes as well so that those links okay. will be there. And yeah, I, that is just so important because a lot of, again, a lot of my listeners are probably at the point where they maybe have a will or an estate plan and maybe they don't. I know my dad's been on me for a very long time and I'm finally getting it done, but Good. I have been guilty of not having it done. So no. I can't imagine again that I am the only one out there who doesn't. So if somebody You're, can learn uh, something from you. 72% of people don't have a plan that would work for them now. So you're in way too many of that group. Wow. I didn't so, realize that was so high. Yeah. It's so high. About 50% have done it at one time or another, but it, if the way it's written would not actually fit their current situation. So it's pretty mm. low. It's pretty low. So yeah. Right. So get that off the procrastination list and be, be part of the, the 27, 28%, right? That's the part you want to be in. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much for joining me today, Heidi, on Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Here are the key takeaways from today's episode. Number one, our jobs, where we've lived, who we have relationships with are all seasons in our lives. You do something for a season, however long that is. And if you don't like it or you're not enjoying it anymore, you move on to the next season. Number two, we talked about the importance of having role models who can show you what's possible, as well as the importance of being a good role model for others who want to succeed. And when it comes to being an example for kids, they often pay more attention when that role model is not a parent. Number three, it's never too late to take the next step if it makes sense for your next season. It's never too late to turn around if you decide it doesn't make sense for that season. Number four, Heidi's life theme has been jump and jump again and jump again and just keep going. Like the Shonda Rhimes book, Year of Yes, saying yes to whatever opportunity comes up. Consider what's the worst thing that could go wrong. Ask yourself, could I live with it? Okay then it's worth trying. Number five, sometimes people outside yourself can see better than you can what you should be doing and what you are suited for. Lastly, you can get a free copy of Heidi's book, Lifeguard Your Legacy, which provides an easy blog-style read of what every person should know about estate planning at www.lifeguardinglegacies.com backslash book hyphen freebie. I'll put a link in the show notes. Thanks for being here and subscribing to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Please share this show with a friend. If you're feeling especially generous, leave a review so other women like you can discover the show too. 
It's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and all the major podcast directories. And I'd love to hear what's happening in your world. Join me on social. On Instagram, it's zen underscore rabbit. You can find links to the other platforms at zenrabbit.com. Before you go, remember to take a moment to think about what you're grateful for today. And lastly, you can find this week's meditation queued up right after this episode. Or maybe it's just before, depending on where you're listening. Look for it. You'll find it because you always find exactly what you're looking for. Remember that. <laughs>